This week's episode is brought to you by Cough and Cold Season, because everyone I know is or has recently been sick. So don't forget your vitamin C. Right, Dutchie? Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good afternoon or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're welcome to the Mile High Hockey Podcast for January 30th, 2017. Coming up on the show, it's All-Star Weekend, and despite sending a representative, Colorado has one win since Christmas. Uh, Varley shut down, Spencer Martin, and more. But before we play the whoosh, let's uh, introduce the disembodied voices for the week. As always, we are talking to Earl of Six. Hey, Earl. Hi there. And as always, we are talking to Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. Greetings. And uh, we are coming at you with the all-star skills competition going on live right now so you'll hear from us when nathan mckinnon does his thing last saturday abs fall 3-2 in overtime to san jose their first overtime loss of the season but that was a while ago so let's get current on monday abs lose 5-2 to the san jose sharks allowing a four goal period to patrick marlowe Jerome McGinley scored for the Avs, as did Andreas Martinson when it no longer mattered. Spencer Martin looked really good on Saturday, but only stopped 17 of 22 in this one. Uh, then on Wednesday, Avs dropped a stinker to the Vancouver Canucks. It was only 3-2, but they got outshot 20-9 in the first period alone. Shout out to some very questionable officiating in this one, but the Avs are only in it at all thanks to Calvin Pickard. Miko Rantanen and Matt Nieto scored for Colorado in this one. So, uh, where do you guys want to start? Spencer Martin, Saturday. Spencer Martin on Saturday. Start with something good. I like it. Yeah, he had a great great NHL debut. Um, you know, it, until they actually come out and, and do it, you don't really know what you have. And it appears that, that Spencer's got what it takes to, to perform at the NHL level. I don't think yes. he's ready to carry the load right now, but, um, you know, soon. Right. I mean, he's, it's clear he's not a polished product, and I haven't gotten to watch nearly as much of him as you have, Earl, because I don't watch him games. But uh, he's a work in progress, but clearly has all the size and athletic ability that you need to play the position. Uh, I think it was encouraging watching him play a good San Jose Sharks team and holding his own for <laughs> two and a half periods. Yeah, just, just to recap, um, anyone who maybe skipped out on that game, um, he allowed two goals in regulation. One of them was uh, a pass across one side of the crease to the other on the on the penalty kill because two Avs chased one puck into the corner. Whee! And then the other one was just an incredible tip from about five foot out. Yep. I mean, those goals you aren't going to pin on him, and we won't. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he let in two in regulation for his first – for his first appearance in an NHL game. So um, I'm, I'm really happy about it. Um, I'm, I'm a little questioning about whether he should be playing the backup role in Colorado for the rest of the season. But, you know, if need be, he can do just as good as anyone else in the org. That's true. So you feel that uh, his time would be better served in San Antonio playing full-time? I think so. I mean, I don't think they're going to split starts down the middle with he and Calvin. Um, And I I don't even think that would be a good thing. I I think, you know, if he gets a few starts and then takes what he learns at the NHL level and then goes down to the AHL and plays a lot after that, 
and then maybe comes back up, you know, in late March or something like that. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of guys coming up and getting an NHL experience and then going back down and sort of working on what they learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, do we all think that he's up with the Avalanche for the rest of the season? I mean, uh, is it possible that Jeremy Smith gets another run here just to serve as that backup? You know, uh, give Spencer Martin a little push towards the end of the rampage year. I mean, it's it's a tough call. I, I mean, Smith was injured for most of the fall, so I don't really have an idea of how good he is. He's starting to play better, <clears throat> so maybe, you know, maybe I would feel decent about him coming up and playing a game. And he's never started or even played in an NHL game, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, that was Spencer Martin until this week. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, this is this is what they picked up Jerry, uh, Jeremy Smith for, right? Was to be that third guy so Spencer Martin could get full time starts in San Antonio. If if he's going to be up here with the big with the big team, he needs to be in a fifty fifty platoon with Pickard at, at worst. I would say. Otherwise, right. you're not utilizing his time appropriately. Well, I mean, he's still going to be learning things if he's the backup, and that, I mean, you know, at best, his first role in the NHL is going to be as a backup. So. That's probably what he should be learning. I mean, Pickard is is gradually learning how to be a starter now. He's kind of thrown into the fire. This is a little earlier than you'd probably like to see him learning how to be a starter, obviously. But, um, you know, I don't think it's bad for Marty to learn how to be a backup now, but it's just I think it's just too early. Because I, I was thinking, you know, if all went well this year, that he would be, you know, in the AHL full-time getting – you know, hopefully around 50 starts, maybe slightly less than that, but, you know, around that. Then next year he sort of shuttles back and forth between the AHL and NHL, and then after that, you know, then he starts playing full-time NHL, kind of, you know, kind of long Pickard's timeline. Right. Unfortunately, the Avalanche is starting goaltenders, throwing a wrench in that plan, has he? Not? Yeah. Uh, Semin Varlamov, if anybody hasn't heard, is now out for the season after uh, – you know, choosing to undergo surgery on a groin muscle that has been giving him all hell for a couple years now. Right, and to uh, to hear the BSN guys talk about it, um, it sounds like Coach Bender is just appalled that this hasn't been taken care of already. Yeah, you can tell from his past few conferences when people have asked him about it. I mean, he's just over it. He's like, I you know, I can't have this guy that comes in and plays three games and then can't play anymore and then goes back for treatment for two weeks. Right. I mean, you, it definitely. You can tell he was not a fan of what was going on at all. It's not fun for your roster because it really hogties you when, you know, you got to bring up guys in a very calculated way like Spencer Martin. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot to ask Calvin to be the starter right now. I know everyone thinks he should do better, but, you know, that's it, a huge step he's going through. He wasn't even the backup last year. You know, he started as the backup at the beginning of this year. And now, you know, he's basically been the starter off and on for a lot of the season. Just, you know, I I don't think he's adequately prepared for it at this point, but he's learned quickly. There is an energy, you know, an endurance that you have to maintain in order to start 60 games and goal in the NHL. Yeah. And that's tough for any young player, especially one that probably hasn't been getting... 60 starts a year, even, uh, you know, in his pro- young professional career. 
at, in the you minor can't league play level. 60 games in the AHL. It's impossible. I mean, they only have 76 to begin with. Right. But it's just the, they have so many back to backs and three and threes that you just you'd kill a guy if you, you started him that much. I mean, 50 is about what you, you would consider a full load down there. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I think Calvin's doing better. I mean, obviously, we, we just looked at the save percentages from the last three games, and they're all quite nice. Um, so, you know, I, I think with, with the team's help, because they're, they're starting to play a little bit better. At least That's most- an important point. Because yeah. uh, the team has been playing better of late uh, without the uh, scoreboard results. But uh, shot total, shot attempts have uh, started to turn around a little bit from atrocious to acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have good shot suppression if they could generate the kind of offense they're supposed to. Right. I think their suppression overall has been rather good recently. Uh, I mean, they've really held some pretty good teams to really low shot totals. Yeah. You know, it's made for some... A bit slow hockey to watch, but you know you could tell the team is starting to turn the gears a little bit and play some defense. You know, as a team unit, I mean, there's some strategy being employed here that's working, uh, at least on one end of the ice. I hate to uh, to interrupt, but so apparently Snoop is DJing this. Yes, he is. That's that's quite a thing. D O double G. Yeah. The D O double G. DJ O double G. Well, that's good. Uh-huh. It's good to see the NHL get with the times, you know? Let yeah. somebody uh Let's get somebody in the peak of their career. <laughs> Someone that was famous ten years ago. Really? I don't have the volume on. Is he doing a Snoop Lion bit here? Is he doing reggae? I don't have the volume on either. Cause, uh, so I'm going to imagine that's what's happening as uh, these all-stars take the ice here as they're listening to reggae. <laughs> does he play old school stuff or does he play you know dance Peter all Tosh. <laughs> yeah whalers um but yeah the, the the team does appear to be making some overall systemic improvements not that you can tell in the first period on wednesday but uh yeah. after that they actually turned around and played quite a bit better that was, was like amazing a, it was a whole different team in the second period like what happened and that's, I mean, can you imagine what someone could have possibly said to turn what we saw in the first into what we saw in the second? I mean, he must I have threatened their life. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you think he just grabbed a machete out of a spare locker there and just swung it at somebody? We have all your children in a school bus, and we're not telling you where until you get it going, guys. Chris Pronger yeah, shows like up a, with a chainsaw. <laughs> It's like Keanu and speed, you know, if you skate under like 15 miles per hour, <laughs> something's going to blow up. Why is Snoop wearing an NHL jersey? Give him, yeah, let him, he's let impartial. Him, let him wear his old school LA Kings jersey that you see him in sometimes. Hey, he's from uh, the LBC too. Give him a Nieto jersey. Hey, there you That's go. Right. Matt Nieto's from Long Beach. Right. I didn't know that. <laughs> Um, I found out again when he scored another goal. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did score another goal. And uh, it's it's really good for Colorado to, make, to pick up guys like that for free who are going to offer you some depth scoring. He had some, uh, he had some bad luck in San Jose, and they have a, a, a glut of depth scoring apparently and were able to let somebody go for nothing. I'm starting right. to think he's a good candidate to get protected. Whew. 
that's uh, quite a leap, but I mean, I'm not sure I disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, who would you who would you protect over him? <laughs> the list is very short. Well, especially if your intention is to make a trade for players that don't need to be protected. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't remember um, what the rules are for like protection and stuff. I mean, how does that work? I mean, he would have to be protected. I mean, I don't know if, if I mean, he might be the kind of guy Vegas is, is kind of hot on. He absolutely should be. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that that's another thing that kind of went into my thought there was that, you know, if you look at this team, Matt Nieto is, is probably one of the more desirable guys that, that Vegas might want to pick. So, you know, there there are less desirable guys that, that you could leave. He's a UFA, is that correct? I think he's an RFA. Yeah, he's, he's RFA. Yeah, he's, he's their first or second year after ELC. Um, right. If, if, so all if they'd we have to do is qualify for one year. Yeah, and if, if we truly do see the end of the Matt Duchesne era, then that's one less forward that's getting a uh, protection that then you could give to Nieto. Yeah, I mean, if Duchesne's gone, you're protecting Mac and Landy and then... Uh, uh, Who else? Brantman. You don't yeah, need to. You're protecting I mean, McKinnon, Landeskog, um, Ransomen is on an ELC. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you have if that means he takes a protection spot or if he doesn't have to be protected. No, Miko does not have to be protected. Okay, um, and then I guess Matt Nieto, eh? Yeah, exactly. Because after that, you want to you might want to protect Johnson and Barry. Well, I mean, you're protecting three defensemen no matter what. <clears throat> His, but you can. His jersey says D. Snoopadelic. I'm confused. <laughs> um, yeah, you're going to protect Johnson, Barry, and, and Z. Right, because they you don't have a choice. Exactly, and and you know if if Boschman won't waive, either buy him out, trade him, or whatever happens there, it's you know they're not going to protect him at the expense of someone else. Actually, Z's on an entry level contract still. He's an RFA yeah. this summer, but he's still on an ELC. It, you have to be in the first two years of your ELC. Ah, uh, okay. Uh oh, Ryan. Ryan got lost. Yeah, he did. As, as we look at McKinnon's interesting haircut, <coughs> he's got no hair on the sides. He's going there for the reverse bald spot. <laughs> um. Yeah, there, I mean, Z would have to be protected, but I mean, you, you go past the three defensemen there and Duchesne, Landeskog and McKinnon. And there's six guys right there. You want to protect. And there's not much past that. Like anyone else. I don't really care about that much. And Nieto kind of, you know, he would be my next guy, I think. Yeah. And how many do you have to cover? Um, I mean, you, you don't have to protect any if you don't want to. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so I mean, I mean, you're coming down to a position where you're starting to think: Do we want to protect Grigorenko or not? I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, I think. <clears throat> I mean, I th at this point, I would probably protect Nieto over Grigorenko. I think I would too. I, I think he fits in a lot better with JB's system than than Grigorenko does. I mean, I'd like to protect Grigo. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him get another shot, but it. You know, if you're looking at who is more desirable to the New Vegas franchise, I, I would, you know, I would again say that Nieto might might be a little more well-rounded and, and probably be a better guy for a, a first-year team. Was that the sound of you coming back, Ryan? That was the sound of 
me coming back. Yes. I'm glad you're still having the same conversation. I had like a really good point to make. Cool, make okay. it. Before you get <laughs> yeah. dumped again. Well, uh oh, there it went. Yep, there it went. I mean, Nieto, as a restricted free agent, if you just have to qualify him for a year, I mean, that's also, like, really awesome for roster flexibility for an expansion team, too. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, it, you're instantly clearing cap space when his contract's over and you know, and roster spots. So, you know, they've I've seen it happen in baseball. I've seen it happen in basketball. They don't want long-term contracts. Yeah, I think his qualifying offer is seven thirty-five. I think he's a five percenter, right. so um, he would be cheap to keep around, and he's he's worth a bunch more than that. You know, you'd, I think if if the Avs kept him, they'd probably sign him to something, you know, maybe two years and a couple million dollars type of deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of where where Vegas would be looking. But you can get a, you know that that's a good leveraged contract because you're going to get more than a million bucks worth of production out of him. Yeah, his his Correct. deal is seven. And again, he's a young 000. player. He's All right, at, so it, he's at seven thirty five k, which is under a million. Yeah, so he would be right. a five percenter. So add add five percent onto that, and that's his qualifying offer. Yeah, which is which is nothing. Is he is he one way? He it, uh, don't know. <laughs> There'll I, be a green arrow next to his name if he can be sent down. He has a two-way deal, but that doesn't mean that he can't be. But that doesn't mean anything about waivers. Yeah, is he is he, is he waiverable? He has to be because we claim him off waivers. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right i mean i would say if he didn't have to go through waivers that'd be a bonus but i guess that's not the case but yeah sometimes right, so your brain give, just takes a shit what can you do yeah so yeah, i mean given the avalanche's lack of depth at wing organizationally i don't see him being a roster burden in the next two years so go for it yeah i mean if he's on your fourth line you're, you're i mean you're loving it yeah i mean that that's San Jose had him on their fourth line and then decided he didn't fit there anymore. Like Exactly. And but, he's he's making things happen with Landeskog and Duchesne, which is kind of an indictment of the Avalanche at large, but I mean, that's still like cool. Well, I, yeah, I think what it says is that he's the he's the kind of depth guy that's, you know, nice to have because, you know, he can play 5-10 games with those guys and not look out of place. So, I mean, that he's sort of the anti-John Mitchell. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind know? of the Jamie McGinn sort of tweener. Where he's not a power guy like McGinn, but he, he's best suited against weaker competition but can fill in up top if he needs to. Right. Yeah. He can skate well enough to hang, and he can, you know, get a stick in the way and score a goal every once in a while. Yeah, Which, I mean, I'm uh, just imagining him with, like, Comfer and Greer next year or something like that. I that, mean, I think that would be a hot depth line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a you know what what they need as far as a third guy between them is probably a good puck retrieval guy and a good forechecker, and that you know that describes him to a T. Man, I was Plus just thinking. Be better. The, I was just thinking, not cool. The Colorado Avalanche are getting one of the top twenty plays, but no, it was them getting robbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are forgetting one important thing, which is uh, Duchesne's law. And which states that any player that plays well with Matt Duchesne must be off the team by the following season. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm just just saying it's science. Yeah. So that means he needs to be protected so that doesn't happen. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good conversation. I didn't expect to talk today about whether we should protect Matt Nieto in the expansion draft, but I'm glad we did. It was Nieto. Boo. Um, so the, <laughs> Calvin Pickard's last three games have been pretty good. Yeah, they have. You know, he's, he's had a sneaky good time since he took his break after getting torched for several weeks in a row. Which, you know, maybe he kind of was going through some health stuff, too. I mean, we just will never, ever know that. And uh, when he doesn't quite have the backup or, you know, a fallback that he should have in place, that's something that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, Avalanche, I mean, I- we're not starting Jeremy Smith. No. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a lot of pressure on him, knowing that, you know, you're basically out there every night and you're not getting pulled or anything. So sink or swim, dude. But that was, you know, during that period between uh, late December and early January when he played all those games in a row, that was that was kind of the nadir of the season. I mean, that was kind of the worst the Avalanche played. You're right. They're still not winning games now, but they're playing better. It's true. And Calvin Pickers pretty much in his first season, you know, with the first full season with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, he got, you know, run last year, but it was what half the season. How many games did he start? I mean, I think he got I think he got called up for pretty much good in late early December of last mm-hmm. year. Well, I'm going to find it, out. Is I think it bad Yogi, that I can't remember who the third goalie was last year? Yogi. <laughs> Red O'Bara, okay. That's why Red I can't O'Bara. That's why I can't remember. <clears throat> so yeah, Yogi got hurt playing soccer before the game, I think on December sixth of last year. That's so random. I know. Um, Calvin Pickard only start only played in twenty games last year, only started thirteen of them. Yeah. So uh, he is by far exceeding his, you know, NHL highs for games and minutes played and all that. So in essence, he is rookie-esque. Oh, God, it's Pierre. Varley sure got yanked a lot. Is that normal to get yanked yeah, seven, seven times? times. <laughs> Yogi got yanked a couple of those. Oh, yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, because when he was up early in the year, uh, Varley was hurt, and then Yogi was the starter. Um, so there were some problems there. <clears throat> In which, by the way, you know, if, if the Avs are looking to get somebody to maybe be a backup and, and let Spencer go back down to the AHL, um, there are rumors that Yogi is going to quit the Panthers organization and go back to Switzerland. So huh. he might be someone that's competent and available for free. I don't know if he'd want to come back to the Avs, um, but he's been doing very well in, in Springfield of the AHL. I think he's second or third in the AHL in shutouts. Oh, he uh, had talked in interviews about liking Calgary because it reminded him of home, and obviously Calgary's not too different from Denver. Uh, but I wonder if playing AHL and playing with Florida made him a little bit homesick. Well, I mean, uh, the reason he got traded was basically because they wanted to give him a shot at an NHL job, and they didn't know Reimer was going to take that five days after they'd sent him there, but. Well, it's also possible they really want to get their hands on uh, Rocco Grimaldi, who they traded for, traded him for. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, who, I I don't know. Talk to me, Earl. Is this guy like NHL caliber, you know, next year or this year? 
it's it's a tough call. Burden of proof it, is he, on him because he's like five foot nothing. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, it didn't seem like Bedner was too enamored with him with the way he got used in that one game, but. You know, who knows what it would be like if he was up for a while. But he's, you know, he's he's killing it down in the AHL. He's he's scoring like mad. Um, he's got a gift for overtime goals. He's scored a couple of those recently. Um, and he's also kind of been on more of a grinder line recently, hasn't he? I mean, some but something that translate more to like a third or fourth line role in the NHL. Yeah, um, it, it's he's basically with two PKers that are good for checker, um, you know, smart defensively grinder types. He's with Felix Gerard, who, who we received from Nashville in the, the Cody McLeod trade and, and with good old Gabe Bork. And, you know, he's, he's really thriving there. Now I'll qualify that and say that Rocco really likes having the puck. Like, you know, he's, he's a puck hog for, you know, there's no other good way to put it. And that works John with those two. Yeah, he, pretty much. And, but but that works with those two because those other guys aren't very offensively skilled. So right. having Rocco carry the load as far as offensive skill isn't a bad thing. It kind of works everybody's strengths together. So I, I, I didn't think that line was going to work very well, but it, it it's really turned it up in the past couple of games. Hmm. But to answer your question... I, you know, I don't know what the, the Avs are going to do with him. Um, I mean, I, I think he should get a shot. I, I think having a guy that can score like that at the AHL level, even if you just keep him in the org as a call-up um, and, and maybe, you know, depth guy for injuries and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's, he's just – he's a decent skill guy to have in the org, and, and I'd rather have some guys like him along with guys like Gabe Bork, you know. You can't just have all grinders that have no skill as far as depth call-ups. So let's say you're calling up Rocco Grimaldi. Who's your ideal line mates, and uh, what position does he play, and how do you deploy him? I play. I, he can't. He can't be a center. Like he cannot. Cannot. Yeah, he can't win a face-off, and he's not defensively good enough to handle being a center. Right. So he would be a right wing. I, you know, if, if he was on a line where Gabe Landeskog was on the other wing and someone skilled was in the middle, I think he'd do fine. Um, you know, if it was like a, a line with Soderberg and Como or Soderberg and Martinson, you know, I don't, that might work, but I, I wouldn't be able to say just from what I've seen. You know, he might have the speed that might, you know, let those other guys take off as well. So it might work out really well. Or he could just be a liability and not do anything in the offensive zone and work poorly. So, <laughs> but if you put him with like Mitchell and Colburn, I think he's going to look like crap because everybody else has. <laughs> so there goes yeah. uh, PK Subban doing the puck skating drills. Um, Nathan McKinnon in the skills relay does the passing. Um, we, we didn't we didn't talk about this when it happened because we all have the volume off because our mics are sensitive. Uh, but apparently Snoop doesn't do radio edits. Oh, and, nice. And uh, kind of open the ceremonies with, it's the motherfucking D-O-double-G. Gary Bettman's having a nice dinner somewhere, just spit out his wine. 
but I, yeah. my, my only thoughts really on Grimaldi when he was with the Avalanche, because that's the only chance I get to see him, was that he definitely tries hard at all times, um, but he's also trying to do too much, I thought, in his one game. But we've yeah. talked about that already. Exactly. And that's, you know, he, he's just, he's, he's got that kind of personality. He's, he's going to try to do too much no matter what. Right. Um, I wanted to spend time again today um, on Zadorov before we get to our stars and scratches um, because he has been um, – you remember the old article that DDC wrote like years ago called Varley is Very? Yeah. Where it was just like, <laughs> where it was like Varley is either 979 or 808. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just kind of seeing that from shift to shift with Nikita Zadorov, I think. He will be absolutely dominant – and then on the next shift, just kind of hand the puck away in the crease. Right. That one behind Which, the net. Oh. Yeah. So my goal <laughs> with this segment is let's reassure the people that this is an okay thing. Yeah. yeah can I nominate him for both a star and a scratch? Is that possible? <laughs> That's possible. Because <laughs> I think this week specifically, we almost have to. He's been pretty consistently a star, so we should also qualify, you know, this judgment by that, but uh, he made some bad mistakes this week, which look like a 21 year old defenseman playing the top spot on his team. You know, he's the top blue liner on the Colorado avalanche and he's kind of been getting sort of minutes that allow for these things to happen. Yeah. And, and JB basically said that when someone asked him about it the other day, I mean, he's saying, look, you know, that he's a 21 year old guy. He's, he's, getting a level of responsibility that he hasn't had before and he's, he's making some mistakes, but he's learning from them hopefully. And, you know, <clears throat> one thing that making mistakes shows is that you're engaged in the play and you have the puck and you're not just being perimeter dude. Any, and that's kind of what I think got him demoted from playing with EJ early in the year is, is it just, you know, he wasn't around the puck enough mm-hmm. and, and now he just, you know, he wants it. You know, he's he's very aggressive with how he wants to be involved with the play. And, I, I you know, I, that's got to be what Nolan Pratt and everybody want to see from him. Did that, didn't we almost see his first goal this week, too? I'm trying to remember if that occurred one of these last three games. But didn't yes. we? I want to yeah, say it yes. Well, that was off. the 5-2 game, was it not, against the Sharks? It went um, off Martinson's shin pad, yeah. Right. It was eventually taken away from him. But, I mean, you know. That's a primary assist and probably was nearly a primary goal. Yeah. <laughs> primary goal. It's a secondary goal because someone else tipped it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's another thing JB said was, you know, that they want him to shoot more. They want him to get the puck on net instead of, you know, pulling the nine iron every time. So, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that he's getting shots on net. And I wrote an article about this in early December. Is he had the highest block percentage of anyone on the team as far as outcomes of shots, as you know, on net miss or block. He had his, he had almost forty percent of his shots blocked at that point, and I, I bet it's a lot less now. But that, that right. surprised a lot of us at the time because we expected it to be Tyson Berry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he he's he was at that point the worst guy in the team, or one of them, as far as getting a shot on net when he actually shot it. And you know, I think that's something that concerned the staff 
um, and they, they really wanted him to work on. And, I, you know, I think that's something that, you know, we, we've seen definitely in San Antonio that the, the development staff come down and work with guys a lot on their shooting. And it's really helped a couple of guys. Um, Sergey Boykov got his first AHL goal last night, and he's, he's been, got uh, rather scoreless in that respect, huh? <clears throat> um, but but he has a Boykov has been amazing in that. Like if there's ten guys in front of him between him and the net, like he he will get it on net somehow. He is just awesome at threading the needle. Right, just not and, getting past and, the goalie. Yeah, and, but it's you know. It, Take take it you know take it back a couple of months. He wasn't even getting shots on net. Now he's he's starting to thread the needle. And last night one finally went in. Hmm. And then Anton Lindholm, who I just gave up for dead with his offense for most of the season, has he scored two goals in the past couple of weeks. Huh. Uh, and you know I you know AJ has said like he had the worst shot he's ever seen a National Hockey League player you know a prospect even have. And you know, now he's able to get nice shots on net. So it's it's something that, you know, whoever's working with him, I would assume that's Brett Clark with those two guys. You know, we're seeing some results there, and that's really cool. That must be fun a fun reason to watch AHL games, just to see that kind of improvement, you know, from month to month. I mean, it's just probably so drastic at that stage. Yeah. And it's just because, I mean, we, you know... It, it's not something you saw, you know, for most of the past couple of years that I was watching, you know, just people would stagnate, <clears throat> but now it's, you know, you're seeing guys get better and better and noticeably better you know, over the <laughs> weeks or months. So Carey Price you know. just hits the goalie goal on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> what a boss. Should we also mention that Mike Smith did not actually <laughs> complete that challenge? <laughs> he did finally. It just took him like oh, 30, did he? thirty tries or something. It was probably thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is interesting stuff. Uh, I'd be interested to in see what McKinnon draws. Yeah, he he played the Paul Stastny role for the Central in their run. Ah, gotcha. I, I'm too busy listening to Earl, man. I'm, I'm intrigued. I can't yeah. be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. And- Duncan had one of his best games of the whole season last night. And I know that the whole dev staff was in San Antonio. They didn't have any games during the week this week. Mm-hmm. And I know the whole dev staff was down there all week after their meetings last in, uh, I guess they were in California up until last weekend. And you're fairly convinced he's like on the cusp here, right? I mean, if he could play like what he showed last night on a, consistent basis he would be in the nhl right now right so I mean, it's just it, you don't see that every night so it's it's just tough to say you know when he's going to earn it or when they're going to need him or whatever tell us what differentiates a game like that between your average duncan siemens game um i was trying to think about that when i was watching because i you know I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and I like seeing him do well, but sometimes he's just not very engaged. I think what it might have been is Ontario is a big physical team, mm-hmm. and I think Duncan needs to be physical to get himself into the game. Um, it, when he's playing, like, skill teams that, that do a lot of quick passing and perimeter stuff, I mean, you know, he can defend against that well. It's, it's not a question of doing his job, but when you get guys that – 
that like to bang around like that. I think that really gets him going, and and he can really, you know, up his game a lot. Huh? Do so, you see that, you know, being uh, better or worse in the NHL, playing bigger, more physical teams generally? I think everybody in the NHL is more physical than some of the teams you see in the AHL. Right. Do you think they're also faster at the same time? <laughs> right. And Duncan's got speed to burn. I mean, he he started like some dude had a breakaway last night. And he started like two lengths behind him and caught up to him before the guy got between the blue line and the circles. And yeah, it's never been a matter of skating, has it? Yeah. So, I mean, he's got the wheels. Um, you know, I, it's just he's just got to he's got to show being engaged in the in the game a lot more. Uh, not not a lot more, but just consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he plays like if he plays like that, um, I think he'll have some success at the NHL level. I mean, I again, I don't think he's anything more than a bottom pair guy, but um, you know, just you watch him compared to like Jelena and you know, you know, like say they had to sit Boschman like they should. You know, I, I think he could take some of those minutes and and do well with them. You think you could play uh, Boschman's 29 minutes? <laughs> I don't think anyone should play Boschman's 20 minutes. Especially Boschman. God, that was so bad. Yeah. Well, the, the telling thing was is someone put up that, and I looked this up, that um, he and and Gold Beef and Z all had 11 shifts in the first period, but Bosch had eight minutes of time on ice, and the other two guys were on six and a half, six forty, something like that. <laughs> it's almost so, like one of those guys gets pinned in all the time. Well, and it's also one of those guys either doesn't <laughs> want to come off the ice or, you know, refuses to leave the ice or, you know, doesn't know how. I don't know. It, it I read a really good theory. Yeah. I, I think that's a theory I read uh, passing by on Twitter is that he takes so long to get back to the bench that his time on ice can't help but being higher than everybody else's. I think it is because. He needs a much safer puck to get off than, say, Barry would. True. Yeah. Or, or Weird Cock yeah, or even Gold Beef. And it's because he's not – like the worst situation you can be in is lefty on the opposite side when you have the long change, and that doesn't happen at the Pepsi Center. Um, so, you know, right, right D with the long change – if you're on the same side is pretty easy, but lefty, when you have the long change, uh, you know, that's really tough. Yeah. <clears throat> Reading it right but, now, 28 minutes, 59 seconds time on ice against Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, but you, I mean, you look at his shift count and you know, a lot, all right. Some of that is, is PK and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, you know, and, and he had, I think he had four minutes of power play time as well. So, I mean, special team shifts, you're going to be out there for minutes at a time. That's that's not a big deal. Right. But, it, but when you're out there also, five on five and your shifts are 10 to 15 seconds longer than, than A, your partner, and B, everybody else that's on the D, you know, that's a big problem. Right. I mean, he's got 10 more minutes of ice time than every other defenseman at minimum. Yeah. I mean, Zadorifa is the next closest at 19 minutes, 59 seconds. God, that's brutal. Which, ain't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Golubev had 20 minutes, 28 seconds, so <laughs> he's got him beat by 29. We're very much in the business of giving Coach Bender a pass on the show, as I think everyone should be, but that doesn't mean we can't question decisions like this, because Qua? <laughs> what? I, uh, I, 
I don't. I think a lot of it. Again, I think a lot of it is him either refusing to leave the ice or being unable to leave the ice in a timely manner. Um, I mean, uh, there's a ton of that. I think. I mean, I think eight minutes of his time on ice is special teams. Take that out. I guess it's got to be. I mean, we should also probably acknowledge that maybe these last like four or five games has probably been his best stretch of the season, which. Yes, that is relative, but you know he has been playing his best hockey. Boseman, I'm not going to debate that um, shift length is a big factor here, but it's definitely the job of the coaching staff to notice. Hey, my old slow guy's been out there a lot. He probably needs to take a shift off and take a breather. Yeah, and I've been of the opinion he should take every other game off. Yeah, (laughs) you know that was before the start of the season. Yeah, maybe they should just trade him. (laughs) <laughs> and people are going to make the argument that that's what's going on. Oh, he's being showcased for a trade. Eh. <laughs> or they don't have anybody to play right now with Barry out. I mean, I don't think the time on ice thing is showcasing. I, I mean, I think they're putting him in a role of top pair defenseman and giving him lots of special teams time and that's showcasing him. I, I don't right. think, I don't think any coach would ever go into a game and say, I, I think that, that Bosch is our guy for 29 minutes tonight. Yeah. That's going to win us the game. <laughs> they certainly don't have a lot of options. Yeah, and uh, they refuse to play Jana, and I, you know, I kind of see that. You've got eleven <clears throat> minutes that same game, and that's like a season high for him. Not and actually, he's, but it, you know, he he generally plays less than that. He is clearly not playing if they have somebody else, you know, available. Yeah, well, I could, you know. He he makes mistakes and he, I just he just doesn't seem to be the most with it guy out there, you know. Right, uh, we're seeing precisely why the Devils were not so high on him, <laughs> despite you know tools that he may possess. Yeah, I mean, I you know I see a lot of people that want to see him on the power play more, and you know, I mean, I'm kind of open to that, but there are things that I can see that a coaching staff would not want him out there on the power play. Right, because of the the shooting into people, shin pads for breakaways thing, and just poor decisions. Like he's got a good shot, but it's not, you know, his head isn't good at figuring out when to shoot. So that's that's you know, a big part of it. Plus that decision he made to you know take the team off the ice for forty five minutes the other night to, you know, breaking the glass. I mean that's just not a good decision they, they at have all. New ads cast up with him, and he talk about that for about ten minutes. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, they just don't have any good decisions. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Bigraw right now. I mean, we'd love to see him be that player, but he's not ready. Yeah, he's gosh, he's he's making a lot of mistakes. He's he's starting to make some good decisions. Like last night, there was one of those pucks that's like. 10 feet away from a defender and 20 feet away from him, just inside the opposing blue line. And you're like, if Boschman was there, he'd go for the hero pinch and then there'd be a breakaway going the other way. And he backed off and did the smart thing and, and played defense. So mm-hmm. I was like, good because he's been, you know, that that's something that not just him, but a, a couple guys on the, on the rampage have been letting up breakaways like that. Is that kind of the same thing that Zadorov suffers from and that you kind of want him to be asserting himself, you know, in the play, but at the same time, he's got to be better at making judgments. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like when your partner's behind you, you're like, you know, okay, if your partner's behind you and maybe the center is even with you, okay, like, you know, maybe go for it and try to keep it in the zone. But it's like if you're the last guy back and your partner's like even or maybe even slightly ahead of you, then don't do that. Yeah. It depends on the score of the game, the situation, who else is on the ice. Yeah. But, you know, to sum up Beagre's play, he's he's showing a lot of stuff offensively that you like to see. And that's a part of his game that I've said for a long time that really needs to develop fully if he's going to be effective at the NHL level. But Are we starting to see the Rampage become uh, the conduit for development in the organization that we need it to be? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of guys that have made progress this year that they didn't under Dean. There's certainly been a lot more patience this year. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Jim O'Brien came up and didn't play for the Avs on Wednesday because DeShane was sort of sick on Monday. Um, but they took Troy Burke, who's usually the fourth-line center, and, and Burke has been a wing for the three years under Dean, and this year, or the two years under Dean, this year they, they put him at center because they had to when everyone was hurt. And he's stuck there because he's he's been quite good at it. They put him on the, the Rampage's first line, and he looked great. He got a goal and an assist. So it's mm-hmm. you're seeing guys that are learning stuff and able to take more responsibility when given to them. And that's just, you know, that, that's really nice to see. It, it shows that the development is working. The team's winning a bit, too, right now. Yeah, they just, they've won four in a row at home. What the hell is that like? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they've, you know... They've been terrible at home, and <clears throat> you know they beat a couple of bad teams. They beat Manitoba and, and Rockford twice. Rockford's the worst team in the conference, but they beat Ontario, who's the the top team in the Pacific Division last night. Um, and they play again this evening, right? Uh, first sure chance do. to get over five hundred this year. Well, it's their fifth chance. They've blown fifth chance. Yeah, <laughs> they keep okay. trying, and it's you know. <laughs> I'm not going to bet on them because beating Ontario back to back, for some reason they play Ontario very well. I mean, they beat them five one in Ontario earlier this year, and it just it wasn't even close. It was probably the best game they played all year. So I, it might happen, but I'm not I'm not going to raise my hopes for it. Well, <clears throat> either way, I think all of us are in agreement that we'd love to see some of these players up in the Avalanche to develop as well. Uh, might make it a little more entertaining to watch. Right. Yeah. Because the development is the, the reason that a lot of people are still sticking around. Um, the development of guys like Sidorov and uh, even Stokogorenko, uh, McKinnon, Rannan, and Just to kind of see where those players go because you're not watching the team for now, that's for sure. Right. We're not watching it for res- uh, team results, you know. It's definitely... We're watching uh, for fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's work, man. <laughs> Hard-ass work. This is when you pay your dues as a fan. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been thinking about this recently. Do we deserve this? Maybe. <laughs> me dis- <laughs> what did one of you do to ruin our karma? It wasn't me, man. I've been behaving. Man, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know that maybe this is uh, not a great question because I think we all have it on right now, but it's All-Star Weekend, and I'm curious to know how much you guys care about All-Star Festivities. Zero. This, this kind of divides fans, I think. Uh, you know, 
very rarely am I ever watching television on Saturday night. Um, maybe as I get older, this will become more prevalent, but I just, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to watch things like this in my somewhat youthful adulthood. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of out and about and doing anything other than watching television. So I've just got such a small sample size. I almost like, you know, watching announcements better. I like seeing uh, the roster get announced and that's about the extent of it for me. I haven't watched any all-star weekend festivities. I think the last time I did <clears throat> was the game at the Pepsi Center. Huh. Huh. Well, I, I kind of like the skills challenge, though. Yeah, but. I enjoy the skills challenge usually, for the most part. Um, the, the game I could care less about. But... <clears throat> This uh, the skills challenge this year has a new format. We're watching the four line challenge right now, which is just extraordinarily complicated, and uh, is the is the replacement of the one fun thing of the whole weekend, which was the breakaway challenge, where you would have uh, someone skate out with a kid, and then you would have someone else skate out with Johnny Gaudreau, or Luongo and Schneider would fight over the net, or things like that, like where the players mm-hmm. would actually have personalities. They've decided that's not happening this year. Well, and, again, and we're listening to this with the volume off, but you're uh, seeing a lot of toothless smiles from players, and they look like they're having fun out there. Um, you know, maybe it'll develop into uh, a point where you could make it more entertaining like that. I mean, it was already more entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we already had this this one event that was designed to showcase personalities. <laughs> But this is the NHL, like Snoop Dogs? where we can't have that. Right. And instead, we have to shoot through panes of glass from the blue line. Okay. Do they have the thing where you shoot at plates anymore? I think that's later. Yeah. But right, <laughs> right now, they're shooting through little windows in what looks like a giant plexiglass shield in front of a net. And if you get it through certain holes, it's worth more points than others, and... They're doing it from like ski ball. Yeah, they're doing it from the far <laughs> blue line, and they're about to do it from the goal line. It's just, it doesn't make it, it's complicated, and the, the players seem to think it's funny because they're all sucking at it because it looks fucking hard, man. It does look hard. It looks like they didn't play test this. <laughs> I mean, some guys are making this. For the most part, they're missing everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're bringing a kid out to take a shot. This is. This is going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. They're still having fun with it. Not even. Oh, your feed's it. Either way, I mean, I, I don't know if you can keep repeating yourself. I mean, I think in basketball, the three-point shooting contest has always been really good. I think the dunk contest has wavered you know, from year to year. Uh, I'd like to see them maybe bring it out every couple of years when you really have some, a couple of guys who are interested in doing it and have the kind of talent that's necessary to entertain. Uh, I mean, they've had plenty of years where, you know, uh, your best guys just aren't engaged in the events. So it's not worth it. I'd rather see them rotate events. So do you, do you think maybe that it's kind of like something like that where they're saying, um, maybe the, the uh, breakaway competition is in danger of getting stale and they want to try something else for a minute and they'll bring it back? I certainly hope so. 
because you know I think last year was pretty good. I mean, Matt Duchesne and a stupid hat is like entertaining for us. <laughs> but what happens this year? Do you bring out another stupid hat on somebody? Well, they're I mean, not in Nashville, so no. Yeah, right. that's the thing. You you kind of have to escalate things like that, and, and it's you know Duchesne with the hat thing. You you can't do that again, or it's like Caddyshack too. Exactly. <clears throat> Nathan McKinnon's about to shoot from the far goal line. <laughs> Make it, Mac. Oh, he kind of crept up halfway through the crease and almost <laughs> got it. That was close. Your feed's ahead of mine, so thanks for ruining everything. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching on NHL.com? Uh, no, NBC Sports. Ah, oh, there's your mistake. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Mine just stopped. We got a problem. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, look well, like we're gonna. Oh, here it goes. It doesn't look like we're gonna get to bring you a live commentary of the McKinnon McDavid potential race, which is a shame. That's ah. about the only thing I care about, and I'm not gonna watch it because I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of. Uh, there will be some video of that. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and make a prediction that everyone will, will already know the answer for. Do you think that McKinnon gets even gets cl- even anywhere close to Dylan Larkin's record? I think they're both well, break it. Are they going to let him take Ooh! off early? <laughs> I'm not going to spoil what's uh, happened for you. <laughs> Larkin definitely got a head start. I mean, if they don't get that uh, opportunity, then they will not be breaking his record. <clears throat> Maybe. Oh, it'll be interesting. Uh, McKinnon's definitely the more explosive of the two, but God, my, I mean, McDavid is definitely the smooth strider. I'd be interested to see how that translates. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? Um, there it is. Just saw it. <laughs> you know, Mike the, Smith redeems himself. You know that little hole that they put fans out on the ice to try to slide a puck in from from you know center ice. Oh yeah. To win a car. Um, yeah, Mike Smith just hit that with a goalie paddle from the full length of the rink. I would have predicted a goalie would have been the one to do it. Dude, I mean, I think they practice that more often. And Braden Holby got close. I bet Picks could do it. You know, we know Red O'Bear has scored before. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're getting close to our uh, the end of our time with Earl here because he's got some other stuff to go watch. Uh, next week, the Avs are back at it on Tuesday at Anaheim. That's an 8 o'clock mountain start. And then they're back-to-back Wednesday night in L.A. versus the Kings. That's an 8.30 mountain start. Sorry, guys, on NBC Sports. Sorry, guys. Finally, on Saturday, the Avs are back at home for a 1 o'clock start versus the Winnipeg Jets. So um, we've got at Anaheim, we've got Rivalry Night, and then we've got uh, the stupid Jets in the afternoon. What do you think? Rivalry Night. <laughs> the Avalanche are no one's rival. <laughs> Except Chicago's for some reason. some reason. Um, I, think um, I think they'll beat the Kings and the Jets. Really? Yeah, gosh, that's yeah. optimistic of you. I, know. I was going to give him a shot against the Kings. Go I, I big think, or go home, uh, I guess. Right. <laughs> the I think we're going to get a... Got to beat them once this year. Right. I, I don't think they're beating Do the that. Ducks. I think all three games are... Loss, which means they're most hmm. likely to win that one. Right. <laughs> Um, plus, you know, uh, clearly we're probably getting a Spencer Martin start there. So, uh, 
you know, give the young guy a shot. Hey, do you think do you think Marty gets the first game or the second one? I don't know. What do you think? I did. <clears throat> do you tough. think one's better than a better choice than the other? For, Not for a lot Martin, of travel time. Yeah. I think Martin would probably do better against the Kings, honestly. Why do you think hmm. that? Because they're not as quick. Okay, I can see that. Because it looks yeah. like he's still got some lateral movement to develop. Yeah. You know, the, the Kings are wrapper. Right and also, the, the Kings play very similar to, I mean, the better way to put it is Ontario plays very similar to the way their parent club, the Kings, do. And he's had success against them and that system, so he might be a little more familiar with it. Well, I also say the Avalanche are going to win that game because whomever the Avalanche trade for is going to have to look terrible in that game. We're all going to be mad about it the second they make that trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know. And does Paul Ledoux play for the Avs against his old team, the Kings, in that game? Oh, I'm not sure it can happen that quickly. It could. You don't know. Maybe. If that's I mean, a Nikki trade, who knows? It could be. Do you think a Ginla could go to the Kings? Is that where he ends up? <laughs> it's his old coach. They're slow. I mean, I, I think, I, you know, it just seems like the Kings would probably be a better fit than many teams. It's probably not a bad shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see them end up with a Ginla after getting their hopes up for Landeskog for two straight months. That'd yeah. be kind of fun. And what's up with this Duchesne to the Blackhawks rumor? Can we punch that one in the face right now? Local television reporter, get out of here! Like, there's, they're not dealing Duchesne to the Blackhawks. Give me a break. Yeah, and Who someone was saying it was it was going to be Seabrook, Kruger, and. Uh, Oh, who's the other? Kempney or some prospect who's vile and a first. Because <laughs> that's what we need is a bunch of volume. Yeah. Well, in, in $10 million worth of salary that you don't want and Seabrook's contract that nobody would in their right mind would ever want for any reason, ever. Right. Especially if that's that need space to add people. Yeah. You know, it's right. like Seabrook's making close to $7 million until, I think, two. 2021 maybe his contract lasts until oh, LOL. oh dear That's lord yeah it's yeah. it's seven more years so whatever 2024 expires no one's trading LOL. for that I, I think what's happening out. is local chicago media is reading hockey's future finally <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh my god these guys know what they're talking about well i mean if it's one of those things like are you looking to add matt duchene i mean what's the gm gonna say no i mean yeah of course if you can find a way to do it you're gonna do it but it doesn't mean it's likely Right, but you do not have the current players nor the prospects to give up for that. No, I mean, their prospects are terrible. I, I mean, we just played Rockford twice, and it's like, I, I mean, I like Mott, you know, Comfer's old teammate Mott, but he's a shrimp, and I don't know if he's NHL material, you know, soon. And Vili Poka is probably their best D prospect, and, you know... And what do we want to do with Chicago's first round pick? That's almost a second round pick. It's, I mean, you know, that would be a good spot. If if we end up taking like Heischer or, you know, Patrick or one of those guys, I mean, you know, there's no D that's going to go in the top seven or eight picks. Sure. I mean, I'm not uh, talking, you, you certainly want more draft picks, you know, and you certainly want more first round draft picks if you can get a hold of them. But value wise for Matt Duchesne, 
oh, that's yeah. not lining up. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm I'm saying like if the Abs could get another first rounder in you know the twenty range plus or minus five or so. Oh yeah, that'd that be would great. Be fantastic. I mean, that's where you could take Callan Foot, maybe, or you know, I mean, there's a couple of D's that are going to go later in the first round that are, you know, could be really helpful. Yeah, and, right. And, and just, that would also justify a reasonably early pick on a goaltender if you wanted to go that route. Nope. I'm not talking first <laughs> round. I'm talking after oh, okay. that. After. Yeah, you had like three second rounders. I'd think about it. Huh. Well, either way, I mean, I just. Uh, that can't be your primary value coming back for Matt Duchesne. No. <laughs> That's the first round pick you're talking about. It's not like. Yeah. I mean, well, it's like, you know, having Seabrook is like, hey, well, there's your good defenseman. I mean, it's like, yeah, but he's old and his contract is a nightmare. So. <laughs> so clearly everybody wants to get a hold of that. Yeah, exactly. That's no. like everyone who thinks that Carl Soderberg is going to get claimed by Vegas. Like, why do you think that? Yeah, uh, I might have before the start of the year. <laughs> I no longer think that. Have to be open to changing our views in light of changing evidence. Um, and on that note, I think everyone has predicted a win in L.A., so that scares me a little bit. <laughs> I like irrational exuberance. Yes. Which, at this point, all exuberance is irrational. Yeah, but, you know, just by the law of averages, they're going to beat somebody sometime. Well, they've right. won one game since Christmas, and that was against the New York Islanders. And it, was it also took, the and it took only, a 35-save, one-goal game. Yeah, and it was also the only game all year that Bushman didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's probably more likely correlation rather than causation, but I refuse to believe otherwise. Well, now we're going to have the accuracy shooting competition, which is different from the last accuracy shooting competition. Ah, is this where it gets stale for me? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, well, whatever happens in uh, Nathan McKinnon's likely eventual race with Connor McDavid and then uh, in the California trip next week, you know, that you can find out here. Uh, thanks as always for tuning in. You can catch the podcast at soundcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast or mixcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast and we always post it to myhighhockey.com. iTunes, RSS, Catchers, and the whole shebang. Keep an eye on the site on myhighhockey.com for the latest abs news and updates. You can follow us there at facebook.com slash myhighhockey and on Twitter at milehighhockey. Um, and as this year kind of marches to a close, just keep an eye out for... Any potential trades could be coming up. Any roster moves that may happen and follow that to give us some more fresh faces to, to watch and see what they're going to do for this team. So, when our heads down, and we will eventually get a good ending to have an eye on here. See you guys. Shoot, but one thing I wanted to mention is that <laughs> Varley is going to be on LTIR probably soon. I mean, obviously, he's not playing again this year. And the smart thing to do is going to be to call up the most expensive players they can from the AHL. They've got four guys on IR right now, so they can call up four guys, call up the four most expensive contracts in the AHL, then put Varley on IR, and they'll get about $3.5 million of relief. Um, so that's that, and, that, and like the day, I mean, they play on Tuesday, so that's got to happen either Sunday or Monday. 
Well, there you go. It's your, <laughs> your very own Mile High Hockey Podcast Encore, brought to you by Earl 06 and Sudden Remembering of Things. P.S. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> Addendum. Postscript. <laughs> the after credit scene. Where's Why does character? Austin Matthews look like he's about 32? It's not as he's bad not... as Aaron Eckblad, but yeah. He's going to be bald so quick. Eckblad or Matthews? Matthews. Oh, yeah. He just looks old. Yeah. I mean, how old is he? 19? I don't know if he's turned 19 yet or not. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if you put like me next to him, I, I think somebody would probably say I look younger than he is. <laughs> I haven't seen him on my screen in a minute, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, maybe he's just mature player. Mature. <laughs> makes mature plays on the ice. You can't argue with that. Oh, and John That's Barrett's true. Strug City here. Took him five shots just, to hit one target. 